Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon SEC Basketball Podcast, along with Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. Great to have you with us on a uh, snowy day uh, as we come to you live from the great state of Tennessee. Chris, how does it look where you are? Well, you know, I'd like to say we had a little snow, but it's kind of just, I don't know, a little dusting, you might say. Yeah. I think you guys got it worse than, I'm in Chattanooga, you're in Nashville. You must have got it a little worse. Yeah, we had we had some sleet. Uh, basically, it's not a lot of snow. It's just an accumulation of sleet on everything, and it's all frozen over. And you can't. It's really hard to shovel. I went out and tried to, to clear some of the snow away from the door and, and sleet away a, a little bit earlier, and it, it wasn't all that easy. But um, I, I just have to be dug out in time to get over to West End tomorrow night for Vanderbilt and Kentucky. So that that's my goal. I think you'll be okay. I know you do not miss. Didn't you have to leave for work at, at 4 a.m. at your yeah, uh, previous gig? Yes, for, for many, many years I would dig out in the middle of the night and uh, and go to work on snowy mornings. And uh, I was thinking about that when it was all starting to come through on Sunday, and I, I thought about that a lot. as like, you know, normally I would have to, to get up and dig the car out and, and, and figure out a way to get in, but uh, this time I didn't. Uh, I miss doing the show, but I don't miss doing that part uh, in, in the wintertime. <laughs> that, that was not fun. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, SEC standings as we get started here. Uh, Alabama cruising along at 12 and 1. LSU and Arkansas are 8 and 4. Florida 10 and 4. Tennessee 7 and 5. Missouri 6 and 5. Ole Miss 7 and 6. Alabama, the league is kind of theirs to lose, but you, you look at the rest of those teams and, and Ole Miss has sort of played its way into it, maybe a chance to get into the NCAA tournament. It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out here in the final couple weeks of regular season play. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. When when I was putting together a blue ribbon for back in the fall, I, I looked at Ole Miss, and I even asked Kermit Davis. I said, you think you have a top 25 team on your hands? And he said, you know, if, if certain people play to their expectations, we just might. Hmm. And they got out of the box slow. I, I think COVID was a factor there. Even Kermit got COVID. Uh but they certainly, Romello White has, has played up to his uh, expectations. And then Jarnell Joyner, the, the transfer, I think he was at Cal State Bakersfield, but he's from Oxford. Uh, he sat out last year, and, and he's really become uh, uh, an excellent addition to that team. So Ole Miss is kind of, their stock is rising for sure. And teams like Auburn, Georgia, even Mississippi State, which I thought would play better are sort of fading into the sunset. Yeah. yeah, Mississippi State has not been nearly as good as I thought they would be. I did Vanderbilt's game uh, when they played in Starkville back on Saturday. Commodores blew them out. They hit a bunch of threes in the first half and and uh, went down there and won by 21 points. So uh, that was a nice win for Vanderbilt and uh, not so much for Mississippi State. Uh, when you look at Alabama, I looked at the latest Joe Lenardi uh, bracket before we came on here. He has him as a two seed. That, to me, at this point anyway, sounds about right for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think Alabama at 12-1, and one, it's obviously theirs to lose. Uh, Arkansas has kind of, you know, struggled a little bit, I think. Uh, mid mid They started out strong, struggled a little bit, uh, had some injury problems, and now they're 8-4, and four, LSU at 8-4. and four. LSU can really score the basketball. Uh, they just carved up Tennessee the other day. I, th- I think Rick Barnes was so disappointed in his defensive effort. And then Florida is one of those teams that has just been plagued by the the virus and Keontae Johnson's uh, uh, frightening collapse uh, mm-hmm. led to three canceled games that they won't get back. Uh, was glad to see that uh, Johnson's issues weren't COVID related. Right. 
But yeah, that middle of the pack is is uh, kind of crazy. Kentucky's fought back up to two games below 500 in the league <laughs> at six and 13, uh, looking doubtful for the for the big dance. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh, at six and 13, just having a winning record seems very unlikely. And you're talking about a program that hasn't had a losing record in more than 30 years in that last year of Eddie Sutton when they were headed for probation. Chris, to me, Arkansas is an interesting team. They won two close ones last week. They won by one point at Kentucky, and then they won an overtime at Missouri. Uh, they have talented transfers. They have a big point guard in Jalen Tate. They have the 7-3 Connor Vanover who steps out and shoots three-pointers. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think they've started to get it back together. Uh, the the big kid from Indiana had gotten hurt for a while, and, and he, he's a key player because he averaged 10 and 6 at Indiana, and he's doing the same. So his statistics have translated over. Uh, you know, the, Coach Moss, they're a transfer-driven team. And like you said, Tate at 6'6", uh, playing the point, had come from Northern Kentucky. Uh, he runs the show. And Connor Vanover is a really interesting uh, player just simply because of his height and what he can do from the perimeter. Chris Dorch, our uh, guest, Chris Stewart, has arrived. He is the uh, Alabama play-by-play voice of the uh, Crimson Tide Sports Network and is probably having more fun than anybody in the SEC this season. What's going on? You're exactly right with that, Kevin. Having a blast. It's uh, it's historic for Bama basketball. They've got a a great history and great tradition. Unfortunately, it has been average for the large part of the last two decades, but not the case right now. It's it's been really special. Chris, uh, of course, uh, both Kevin and I have known you for years. How long have you been behind the mic for for Bama now? Can you believe this is my 19th season doing wow. the play by play? <laughs> you're you're kidding. That's crazy. The it last... is crazy. The last um, time Alabama won an SEC title was the 01-02 season. Antoine Petway makes a layup at the buzzer to beat uh, Florida, and that clinched the SEC title for the Crimson Tide. They would get upset that year in the round of 32 by Stan Heath and uh, Kent State. I remember that. The next year uh, I was hired to be the play-by-play voice did my very first game, preseason number eight, Alabama, preseason number three, Oklahoma, at Madison Square Garden. All right. Uh, I've told people for years we were game two of a doubleheader. Um, the first game was Syracuse and Memphis with Bayheim versus Calipari. And uh, I don't care about the details. The truth is Carmelo Anthony and I debuted at the garden on the same night. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, it, that was pretty, that's pretty special to look back on. But yeah, 19 years. It's crazy. Uh, you were at Stanford before that, right? I actually did Birmingham Southern. Which, Birmingham uh, Southern. I knew it was yeah, one of those. Comparable, comparable size at, at the time. Birmingham Southern was NAI. did their games for eight years after I, I graduated from Montevallo. That was my alma mater. It, it was really going to work for the enemy, basically. I'd, uh, that was one of, that was our big rival, uh, 45 minutes between the two. Uh, Birmingham Southern's chant was, if they lost, was, that's all right. That's okay. You'll be working for us one day. And it turned out to be true. I actually did. Wow. Great years. Had a great time. And, and Dwayne Rebol, who was an incredible coach. Yes. Uh, at any level, but, uh, got to do wow. the, the 95 NAI national championship for him against Belmont. Ironically, the last NAIA event that Belmont was a part of before Rick Bird and that program went NCAA Division One, and uh, 
special time would trade it for anything. I, I refer to those things in life. If I ever get around to writing the book, I'm going to, it's going to be about dominoes. And, you know, you stack dominoes and one falls into the other and it falls into the other. And, and that's how they go. And that's Birmingham Southern was a massive domino in my life and the opportunity to do that. And, um, wound up doing Alabama from there and very, very special that I would get the opportunity to, uh, to do BSC during that incredible run and then move on to Alabama. And like I said, it, it, we've had some good moments, just not many, not, or not as right. many as they're accustomed to. You go back and see them with the, the, the three straight SEC titles in the mid seventies, Wimp with his run of five sweet sixteens during his tenure at the University of Alabama. Uh, Mark Gottfried taking the, the team to an SEC title, as I mentioned the year before I started. And then two years after that, well, I should go back. The first year I did the play-by-play, they start off like 8-0, and they're number one in the country on Christmas Day. The only time in program history the Bama basketball has been number one in the Associated Press rankings. Yeah. Then then fell off the map and was the last at-large team to get in the field that year. The next year, they're kind of average, but get hot late and go to the Elite Eight. And, and there have been some good years in between, but nothing – that rivals that, and so it's exciting to be in a not only in the mix, but instead of last four out, uh, first four out, last four in, it's one seed or two seed is where right. the conversation is right now. You know, Chris, uh, I'm happy to report that Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook picked Alabama 14th, and I was all proud of myself. And it looks like we underrated them, but yeah, <laughs> I still think uh, I think their SID told me the other day that we were had regarded you all as highly as any publication. Yeah, that, that didn't surprise me. And Aaron would know that. Aaron Jordan does a phenomenal job Aaron in that role. SID. Terrific, terrific guy on top of it. But, um, you know, I when Alabama was sitting there at 6-3, and three, I'm sure you were a little concerned, as, as we all were, and people were going, what's wrong? And I said, wait a minute. I said, you know, take a deep breath. I said, I still, th- I still think the ceiling for this team – is where it, where we thought it was before the year. What we found out though is the basement was a tad lower than anticipated. And we went, uh, we went sub basement there briefly before Christmas. But I think now they're, they're showing clearly have shown what they're capable of being. And here's the scary part now. Uh, Alabama has not been healthy and at full strength the entire time we've gotten right. into conference play. Yeah. There's been somebody or multiple somebodies. Who have been beat up, banged up, and have had to miss time. I mean, Jordan Bruner's the top big man on this team, and he's been out for a month with a meniscus tear. Suffered it in the Kentucky game, I guess it was, the uh, the first meeting with the Cats up in Lexington, and thought they're going to get him back. Had a little setback, and and now, uh, you know, still probably a couple of weeks away. But if they get everybody healthy. Late February, early March, they're in a great spot as far as the SEC. I think the magic number is two, and realistically, they could they could wrap up no worse than a share of the league crown by the time we get to the weekend. But they are uh, in a spot, guys, where if they get everybody healthy, they can be as good as anybody and as dangerous as anybody as we get to uh, March Madness. Agreed. Chris Stewart is our guest. He is the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. The game at LSU was just mesmerizing to watch. The the 23 three-pointers. 
it felt like halftime was about the only thing that could slow him down. I, I looked at the shot chart from that game. How, how much is that sort of the perfect illustration of the way Nate Oates wants to play, and, and for that matter, just modern basketball in general? Yeah, and, and what you're referencing on that shot chart is, I think, may, maybe, maybe three shots for the game that were outside the what we refer to as the restricted area where mm-hmm. the block charge line is or inside the three-point line. I think you had two shots in the paint that were barely outside that and then a what was supposed to be a three, but there was a foot on the line. That's it. And that's what Nate Oates wants. He wants layups, threes, or free throws. Yep. And not a big mid-range guy, is he? No, he's not. That's just the system. Now, look, there are certain situations where it's wide open. Yeah, you may take it and – but it is it is so funny to see. I say funny. Uh, it is if you go ahead and win. But a guy mm-hmm. takes a 15-footer, and he's like, I don't know. It's almost like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. I, do, I don't know how to shoot it from just – I don't know how to shoot it unguarded from 12 feet. It's a, uh, a weird-looking thing. But, man, they can fit in. I would hate to have to do the scout Ooh. on this Alabama team because they've got size – that the traditional big man can score at the basket, but they have speed and quickness with the guards that allow them to get to the rim. But also, guys, the fours and the fives can put it on the deck well enough to get by you if you come out. Mm-hmm. And you better come out because they can all shoot it well enough. Yeah, even Herb Jones. Oh, Herb has made himself, um, Herb has made himself an NBA player. No question. With with the fact that he is able to shoot the three just a little bit, guys, just let, and that's all he had to do. Yeah. Because he can put it on the deck, he can rebound with anybody. Uh, he's still male thin, but he's strong. I mean, he's a strong kid, can guard anybody at any position, and now that he can shoot it just a little bit, in 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 better than a little bit. There was a time up until about three weeks ago where he had the top three-point percentage on the team. And I don't mean he's three for four on the year. Right. I'm talking making a couple of threes per game. That's and it's not anything more than a set shot, but it still counts. You ain't got to jump five feet or, or, or a foot in order for it to uh, to count for three points. You just got to get it in the net from behind that line. And that's what he does. And now that he's finally, knock on wood, healthy, you know, and able to was able to work on his shot and get there, uh, special to see because I'm telling you guys, phenomenal person. Four O, you know, was a four O student, and and uh, if made if he's not that now, he can still see four O from where he is. Yeah. That was the funny thing two years ago with he and Colin Sexton or three, whatever it was. Um, you know, they were battling Colin sitting there. Everybody's talking about him as a lottery pick, and he's he's trying to finish the semester four O because he's got a he's got a competition going with Herb. <laughs> you know, who's gonna be who's gonna have the best GPA on the team? And they're both sitting there at four O and and leading Alabama at that time to an NCAA tournament berth and um special young man. Just absolutely terrific. Great representative of the school and in the program and and uh sad that it's his final year, but so thankful that we've gotten him for four. 
Chris, you've been, you guys have been doing the road games from a sports bar, and it's, you know, yeah. it's been an unusual year in the SEC because nobody's been traveling. We've done a lot of our games uh, with Vanderbilt from the, the baseball press box. We did one from courtside the other day uh, with the team on the road. But, but is that kind of, you know, being at a sports bar among fans about the most fun scenario if you can't actually be uh, on the road at the game? It really is. There's nothing that, that matches being there, especially right now. I mean, you know, you brought up the LSU game. It would have been fun to be there and watch their fan base ticked off and leaving early. You know, that that would have been highly enjoyable. Uh, however, how many times have we all done it as, as broadcasters or uh, print guys, Chris, where you're you're at a venue and it's a big game, and it's it's there's nothing that matches big there. But the, you sometimes wish, man, I could be two places at once because I bet the local sports bar where you know the fans are gathered, hanging out. Don't you know that's fun? Well, that's kind of given us the best of both worlds because we get to broadcast the game. And yeah, I would have rather been in Baton Rouge, but being at at Bob Baumhauer's place in. Uh, I can't remember if we were in Tuscaloosa or Birmingham. He's got multiple locations, but we were at one of the two. And being able to sit there and enjoy it with the fans, because we're calling it off the TVs. You know, we did some games early where we were in the press box at Bryant-Denny. I did one early this year. Eli Gold got uh, had COVID and had to miss a football game for the first time in his career. Wow. And I think his streak of 409 games consecutive doing play-by-play for Alabama football had to come to an end because he had to quarantine. And we, because we had been exposed to him, couldn't travel for football. We had to be quarantined as well. But the game's got to be done. So we did it from the press box at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And basketball was on the road that afternoon as well. Like it was an 11 a.m. kick in Fayetteville and then maybe a 4 o'clock tip somewhere else. I can't even remember where we're playing. Well, I'm the I'm the break glass in case of emergency guy for football. <laughs> and I did the play-by-play on an Alabama football game, which obviously was uh, hated it under the circumstances, but very very cool for me being a lifelong Bama fan and a guy who's worked alongside Eli for many many years. So, I do play-by-play for Alabama football at 11 a.m. and then at, at 3 or 4 I do the basketball play-by-play from the same booth, same press box, same setup. We just tagged out. John Parker Wilson is a color guy, tagged out with Brian Passink, and uh, he came in and we did hoops. We called it off televisions. That's, That's what you have to do right now. But it was so much. it's so much more fun to be at least around other fans and have some atmosphere. It ain't the same. Tom Stipe, our producer-engineer, somehow mir- it's a miracle how he pulls stuff off. He's able to get us uh, in most – venues uh there may be a reciprocal deal with among the league teams i guess where he's able to get the effects so we've he's able to get it synced up somehow and we get the squeaks of the shoes and the clangs on the rim or the the nets and it's cool you know you get a little bit of that Mm -hmm. but being there among fans it's especially this year it's been very enjoyable uh chris uh Kevin and I have been doing the podcast on Zoom this year for the first time. And one of the cool things about it is we get to see people's offices. Oh, yeah. About stuff on their walls. And I'm dying to know what's that picture. Of course, our 
our listeners can't see it, but can you explain that picture behind you? It looks like they're in a pool room or, uh, guys, this is cool. one of my favorite. Now I'm, I'm going to have to turn around and, and look, I've got a, I've got a Rick Rush print that was, uh, from Alabama's 2008 SEC West championship team. That was Nick Saban's second year, but John Parker Wilson was the quarterback. Glenn Coffey, the running back, they would wind up losing to Florida that year. Uh, with Tim Tebow went on and, and played for the national championship that Florida team did as they beat Bama in the SEC championship. That's what that print represents. I've also got the uh, the blocked field goal by Terrence Cody to beat Tennessee, or to preserve the win against Lane Kiffin in Tennessee. Um, that, uh, that year Alabama was perfect and did win the national title. Below that, I've got a uh, Julio Jones one-handed diving catch against San Jose State. The reason that's got significance, I actually did the play-by-play on television for that on hmm. pay-per-view broadcast. It was a phenomenal catch by Julio. I've got a Larry Bird print from college that a friend of mine who went to school in Indiana State that's awesome. was actually a photographer for a camp for the campus newspaper, and he had that and gave that to me framed for Christmas. A few years ago. So that one's, that one's really cool. I got a, a, the uh, last NCAA tournament team Bama had. They were kind enough to give me the plaque they gave to the team as well. But the one you're referencing, the coup de gras, (laughs) left to right, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. I cannot believe I've drawn a, um, Peter Lawford. Peter Lawford. Thank you. And Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. It is the rat pack playing pool. Playing pool. I got that in New Orleans probably 15 years ago at a novelty <laughs> store cool, and got that man. thing framed. It is. It's my favorite. If they say we're going to take the others, I'll probably would go. All right, but you ain't touching the rat pack. <laughs> rat pack stays. <laughs> I caught my eye as soon as you came on the screen. Yeah. Don't look at the rest because it looks like a tornado is hit. Oh, is mine. My wife is to me all the time about my office. Uh, but the bookcase looks looks good. And, and uh, Kevin's, you know, I, I love the, the background. Is that, I'm just glancing, is that the, all the credentials? Is that yeah, like a Kevin's, wall? Yeah, yeah. I, I have like a West Durham thing. West does, I think, one for each year. And it's a great idea. I'm sitting here looking at uh, there's some lanyards more. with passes from no telling how far back, sitting on coat hangers that I keep saying, "All right, I got to do something with it." But all I've done is hang them up. I've got a poster of me from '42. I played a sports writer, and Chad Bozeman, the late great Chad Bozeman, who played the Black Panther. Yeah. Jackie Robinson, that's probably my prized possession in my office. As it should be. That's off. That's incredibly cool. I've saved credentials for years and years. And, and outside this door here, uh, more in, in an open area in our house, I have two big boards where I put one was all the football games I did sidelines for for Vanderbilt uh, over 11 or 12 years. And another one is uh, a board of, of all Belmont games I did over probably 16 or yeah. 17 years, all different places we've been. Th- those are cool. I, I just like to look at them and, and think about, you know, I, I can remember probably something about each place we went, but I, I just, it's, a couple summers ago, I said, you know, I, need, I really need to do something with these. So I went and bought three, you know, three or four big pieces of cork board and just pinned them on there. And uh, that, that's been a, a fun little project for me. That's really cool. And it is so neat to reflect on people and experiences and, and, and things that occur. Um, 
I'll give you one very quickly with the Alabama team when Ronald Steele was a freshman or a sophomore, you may remember, made it to the uh they beat Marquette in the first round. We had a bomb we had a bomb scare before. There was a bomb threat before. That was in San Diego, right? It was in San Diego. We, we were there too yeah. with Belmont. We played UCLA uh, yeah, later on that I same day. That. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um so we had we had just walked into the building, put our bags down, and they go, hey, you got to get out of here. There's been a bomb threat. Wow. And I, idiot that I am, I didn't grab my bag. I just walked out. <laughs> I did grab my cell phone, which is a good thing because I was doing I interviews all over twice. the country. Yeah, I, I got the heck out of Dodge. But um, so we beat Marquette in that game, and then we're playing UCLA. To go back, the part that, that I'll never forget, we had a guy named Jean Felix who could have played his full name. And I met him for the first time when he was a recruit for Birmingham Southern. He was coming out of high school. He was from French Congo. He lived like three different places. Wonderful, wonderful guy. But his name, I was introduced to him at BSE. Chris, I want you to meet Jean-Felix Moupanier Boussigna. In the name, I'm not kidding you. You know, a yard long. As far as I can stretch my arms, that's what it would have taken to put his full name on the back of the jersey, okay? And I said, uh, great to meet you. I'm going to call you Jean. <laughs> and uh, and as it turned out, when he, 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 he did get in initially to Birmingham Southern, went the junior college route, and winds up at Alabama. Everybody recruited him because he put up some great numbers. But he was strictly... Jean Felix. So we just, Felix was the last name, supposedly. For our purposes, that's what it was. But against Marquette, he went for like 38, 36, wow. 38, whatever it was. Absolutely went off. So the next game, UCLA, pregame meal, you guys know what this is like. You're just sitting in the media room, getting the, getting the free meal. And I'm sitting there, the guy, whoever was covering it for SI. Is, uh, we're, we're straight. Tell, tell me about this guy. And I said, you know, you know, he's had some good moments, but nothing to match what he did. He goes, I'm telling you, if he does anything like that again, he may be our featured guy for, you know, the sweet, for next week, sweet 16. And I said, let me tell you something. I hope he does because if he does, I think we will have a real good shot at, at playing next week and being in the sweet 16. I said, but I think there is a better chance that his first shot will wind up in row three than there is of him doing that again. And the guy laughed. Whatever. So the guy's sitting about 15 seats down from me on press row. Okay. But we're on, we're on the main press row. First trip down the floor, pass goes to the wing. Jean Felix puts up a three and it lands on the baseline without having hit the rim. And it bounced, but only went to row two. And I kid you not, 15 <laughs> seats down from me, I look, I look over and the guy from SI stands up and his jaw is still on the table. <laughs> like, how in the world could you predict it? I just gave it the Michael Jordan shoulder shrug. Yeah. Gave it the shoulder shrug. And I don't think Felix had more than five in that game. <laughs> and we, and we lost. Throttle still missed a shot with about five seconds to go that would have tied it or given us the win. But it, uh, yeah, those are, that's what I remember from that trip. The bomb threat and John Felix 
almost miss if it wasn't for gravity he would have missed the ground <laughs> on that first shot and uh those are the things you remember from trips like that yeah the one thing i remember from that trip is brian collins who's now the uh, the head coach at tennessee state he hit a three early in the game to give belmont the lead and uh, i think that was the last time uh, we led that day <laughs> yeah, that was a ucla team that had a whole bunch of guys that played in the nba they were great yeah. no question i think I, and I get it confused, but I think Florida won it that year. They did. And Alabama was the last team that beat them. We beat them in, mm-hmm. in the last or next to last regular season game of the season. I think it was in Tuscaloosa and, uh, they didn't lose again. Oh, I remember were, that game. Right. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. remember that game. Let me tell you what. Mark Gottfried had some great teams at Alabama. There were some. There were some seasons that didn't end the way they wanted. I think that that next year, Alabama was maybe a five seed, and they get upset in the first round. Uh, I mean, like the, we weren't the very first game of the NCAA tournament to tip off. We were like the second. Mm-hmm. But there is nothing worse than being at the airport at five o'clock on day one of <laughs> on the Thursday. NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and you're losing to. <laughs> Something, you know, Wisconsin, something Milwaukee, and this enthusiastic coach, and then you realize who Bruce Pearl really was, and you don't feel so, you know, it's not nearly as embarrassing yeah. uh, a loss. But that got him, that's that's where, it, that got him the Tennessee job. That that win and what he did afterwards. I, who did he beat after that, Chris? He got, he beat somebody in the second round that was big time that put him I in the I can't remember, but that pretty team. much sealed his next job. Yeah. But let me tell you, too, and I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic, but this is how things work. And I'd love if you if you get Bruce on, you got to ask him about this. That Wisconsin Milwaukee team that beat Alabama, that beat somebody really good the next round and got to the Sweet 16 and threatened to go to the Elite Eight, I believe. But what what really got him the Tennessee job that same year, if I'm not mistaken, they're in the semifinals of the Horizon League or whatever that conference is that Wisconsin-Milwaukee was in at the time. I think they hit a shot at the buzzer to force overtime in the semifinals and then won the conference tournament championship game to get the automatic bid that put them in the NCAA. If they lose in the semifinals, guys, of that tournament, I don't know if we know who Bruce Pearl is. Wow. That's not, that's not an indictment of him. They probably would have won it the next year, but again, dominoes, guys, dominoes that fall in your life. That was a huge domino for Bruce Pearl. I'll tell you that. There's no doubt. Chris, awesome to, to catch up with you. Here's some great stories, uh, and, uh, congrats on a terrific season and also happy for good health for you. Uh, that, that, Thank that part's awesome as well. So, uh, anytime you want to come back, we'd love to have you. If I'll uh, I'll actually shut up long enough to let y'all ask me questions next time. <laughs> no, no, you did exactly what we wanted, brother. Yep, this is the uh, easiest podcast we ever did right here. I we'll hope we see you at the SDC tournament. I think there's a good chance. I'm, I'm hopeful. It looks like it's leaning that way for all of us broadcasters, but fingers crossed because I love to uh, see you guys and see games in person. Thank you. That was Chris Stewart. He is the outstanding play-by-play voice for the Alabama Crimson Tide with the uh, Crimson Tide Sports Network and having a lot of fun, as you can tell, and and has for many, many years. And uh, he's one of the nice guys in the league and uh, had some health, real health scare a couple years ago. And uh, just great to see Chris doing well and enjoying a fun season with that group. 
Now, he asked you, Chris, about your backdrop with with all the books. Now, I thought by this time we'd already have those replaced with guitar amps. i I got to get an update on, on how the guitar lessons are going here. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Uh, you know, you've known me for a long time. You know how much I love music. And uh, I kept telling you, Kevin, i got to learn how to play an instrument. You know, one year it was drums, and mm-hmm. you told me uh, – Aren't you a little old to be on the road with a rock band and, and, <laughs> all the drums? and I said, you know what? He's got a point, but, uh, no, I'd, I'd had guitar lessons as a kid and I was starting, just starting to make some progress. And, and dad came in the room and said, son, we can't afford it anymore. So there went my rock and roll glory right there. But, uh, I don't know during, during the pandemic, uh, you know, you're, you're around, you're looking for stuff to do. And I've got this great Stevie Ray Vaughan signature, Stratocaster that I bought my son years ago, which he's not getting back now. And I signed up for something called Fender Play, where it gives you these uh, lessons via the Internet, and it keeps up with your progress. It emails you. It bugs you to practice. And I'm happy to say I'm going to do it this time, man. Cool. I've already learned four chords in a week. My fingers are starting to callous. And uh, I'm just going to take it. Bit by bit, and and uh, and you know, uh, my son said if if you stay at it a year from now, you'll be able to play some some tunes. So uh, I doubt I'll ever be Keith Richards or George Harrison or Chuck Berry or anybody like that, Jimi Hendrix. But if I could play a few songs, uh, I've still got plenty of uh, years left to enjoy sure. it. So uh, thanks for asking. It's it's been fun. Yeah, you got a whole bunch of years to catch up with Keith Richards. That, that's for sure. He's still out on the road. No telling how old that is. I haven't abused the substances like he has either. So. Yeah, he's like, you know, 70 and has done about 150 years worth of living. Well, uh, we, you get four chords in the truth on this show, our Blue Ribbon SEC Basketball Podcast. We will do it again next time. Chris, always a lot of fun. I enjoyed it, buddy. Thanks. He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. We'll talk to you soon.